The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 221 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I became an advocate for family caregiving. Our topic today is creating a therapeutic community for mental health care. In the April 9, 2013 episode of Family Caregivers Unite, Diane Marshall, who's executive director of the residences of 1425 Bayview, Toronto, Canada, explained how the residences were founded to address Canada's needs for more urban and rural therapeutic communities for mental health. An experience in the US and Canada demonstrates the value of these communities to persons with mental illnesses, to their families and family caregivers, and to healthcare systems. Which is why our topic today, creating a therapeutic community for mental health care, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Rosemary and Dan Kelly. Rosemary is a former teacher, She's a homemaker, an energetic mother of four, and grandmother of nine. Dan is a retired national vice chairman and group managing partner of the Deloitte & Touche accounting firm. Their lives together changed drastically in the late 1980s when their son John was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Following difficult episodes and hospitalizations, they served for a program that would provide the treatment and follow-up care that would make a lasting difference for John. Failing to find the type of center they sought, they conceived of and created Rose Hill Center as a residential psychiatric rehabilitation program. With the help of friends, family, mental health professionals, corporations and foundations, they established a dedicated board of directors, raised the funds to buy a 372-acre parcel in Holly, Michigan, erected buildings, hired a medical and administrative team, and in 1992 welcomed the first residents to Rose Hill Center. So, welcome to the show, Rosemary and Dan. Oh, thank, thank you. you very much. We're glad to be here. Very welcome, you both are. Now, I'd like to start first with the first question for Rosemary. Please, Rosemary, tell us more about your personal story. Well, I was leading a normal life, um, wife and mother of four children, uh, three girls and a son, John. But back in 1986, at the age of 25, our son, John, was diagnosed as having paranoid schizophrenic. 
my family and I were devastated. We knew that John was very sick and suffering, but why mental illness? I cried and prayed, please, God, couldn't have been a brain tumor or some other disease instead. Mental illness back then was a big black hole in my mind, a deep hole with really no escape. And after reading everything I could find out about the disease and giving myself the time to absorb all that was going on, the events in the previous year, I became less afraid and began to fight, really, for my son. Over the years, Dan and I have been praised for having a vision of helping people with serious mental illness and for coming up with a plan to do so. But actually, we didn't, at least not at that time. At that time, we had other plans, other goals for ourselves and our family. But then John became ill, and to tell you the truth, we were frustrated by the doctors who at first could not even tell us what was wrong with John. We were baffled by their diagnosis, schizophrenia. We were discouraged by the lack of treatment options locally, and we were infuriated by the professionals who told us our best options would be to have John institutionalized. Really, instead, we decided there had to be a better way for him and others like him. Then, only then, we realized that God had a new goal for us in life. So we accepted it and even embraced it. This new goal and came up with a new plan, and we started a residential treatment and rehabilitation program in southeastern Michigan for people with serious mental illness. Rosemary, I'm going to stop you there only because we're going to talk in more detail about that. But that's a very moving introduction to what we're talking about. Thank you. You're welcome. Dan, Dan please tell us more about your personal story. Well, uh, Rosemary and I were married uh, almost 57 years ago. And uh, after I graduated from Notre Dame, I went right to work at what is now known as uh, Deloitte and Touche. Uh, as Rosemary said, we're fortunate to have three daughters and our son, John. And uh, in the same year that I was uh, elected chairman of Touche Ross and Company at the time, John got sick. And as Rosemary said, that changed our lives completely and changed uh, a lot of our priorities. Uh, so since then, since 1986, uh, we've devoted all of our attention, or mo most of it anyway, to John and uh, to the treatment of uh, mental illness in general. That's been, that's been your life, hasn't it? Sure has, yeah. yeah. The last, uh, well, since John got sick, uh, what would be 27 years ago now. Yeah. Now, I want Rosemary, please, to tell us more about the center, the Rose Hill Center, and its story. Rosemary, please. Well, Rose Hill was developed back in 1986, and um, uh, although mental illness cannot be cured, the programs offered by Rose Hill provide individuals with the insight, life skills, attitudes, medications, 
need to manage their illness in the same manner that other medical problems are managed. Um, we have a three-step program at Rose Hill, so people know at all times just where they stand. Uh, a day at Rose Hill would start at breakfast at 8 o'clock, so that means people have to get up and shower and uh, get ready for the day, which may seem very silly, but it's not. It's uh, sometimes very difficult for them to do that. They have the breakfast, and they come down, and they meet with a team leader and uh, go off to a work program. Now, we have five work pro programs on campus, uh, housekeeping, um, kitchen, which includes uh, food preparation, uh, small animal care program. We have a beautiful horticulture program. We just grew 1,420 roses along with other flowers and herbs. And then there's gardens and grounds. And it's not so much for what they accomplished. It's just so that at the end of the day, they can get a pat on the back and say, you did a good job. They come back uh, for lunch, and after lunch, they go back for a couple more hours and work. And then after that, there are all sorts of programs on campus that we offer, um, therapy programs. We have music. We have the arts. We have uh, exercise as a big part of our program. Um, we even have knitting. Uh, so this gives you just a little bit about our program. And with this whole program, people are able to grow and recover. Now, I want Dan to ask to answer this question, which is really to give us more information uh, in a broader way about the work of Rose Hill Center. For example, how do you administer yourselves? How do you fund yourselves? How do you, how do you go about organizing the work that Rosemary's been talking about? Dan? Well, uh, let me back up a little bit and, as you say, uh, give a little broader picture. Uh, uh, our, our mission to start with is to provide a highly effective therapeutic program for adults with serious mental illness so they can learn to manage their symptoms, achieve their highest level of independence, and lead rewarding lives. Uh, at Rose Hill, we believe that people can recover from mental illness when they receive professional psychiatric care when they participate in meaningful daily activity and develop mutually supportive relationships and engage in their own treatment program. Uh, the, uh, the residential programs at Rose Hill have been carefully designed to effectively treat patients with a variety of mental illness diagnoses and some of the specific illnesses we treat are schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, clinical depression, and bipolar disorder. And most of the people have uh, secondary uh, problems with uh, alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Uh, we're accredited by the Joint Commission, which in the United States accredits, uh, I think it's over 17,000 health care uh, facilities, uh, including most of the hospitals in the country. Uh, we have a really experienced professional staff 
uh, which include uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, psychiatric nurses, therapists, social workers. Uh, some of those are case managers. Uh, so we have uh, what we have a, a very, very uh, successful program uh, with excellent outcomes. Uh, there are four uh, types of programs that we offer. Dan, I'm uh, just going to stop you there because we this is broadcasting and we have the tyranny of the break to deal with. But I'm going to ask you to talk about those four programs um, in the next segment because it's profoundly important that we hear about them. And I okay. just want to take one short space now to say that I would like to get the message across to our listeners that the mental health conditions you are dealing with in the Rose Hill Center are the most serious of the mental yes. illnesses. Yeah. Yes, they are. And I think, yeah. I think that's profoundly important. Yes, yes. So and on that people, point... The people we treat are very ill when they come to us. Absolutely. And it's amazing uh, how well they are when they leave. It's an amazing program. That's fabulous. Now, let's take the break, and then we'll come back to this story. Okay. This is Dr. Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Rosemary and Dan Kelly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Vasily, radio to thrive by. Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Rosemary and Dan Kelly. 
Our topic is creating a therapeutic community for mental health care. Now, both of you, let's talk about the challenges faced by and the support needed by families with children or young adults with schizophrenia and similar serious mental illnesses and the circumstances that surround them. So, Rosemary, for you, the first question, when and how did you first realize that the challenges your son John was dealing with were associated with schizophrenia? Well, it goes back again when he was 25 years old. He had what they call his first break. And we knew nothing about mental illness and never even heard the word schizophrenia other than uh, in thinking that it was someone that had two or three different personalities and the things that you hear on the radio and TV associated with it. But John had his first break, and at that time... uh, Dan and I just didn't know what was happening. He came home from work. He, uh, at that point, was working, driving his own car. He was a great runner. Uh, everything was normal about John. But all of a sudden, one day, he came home from work, and he starts saying that uh, the TV was talking to him. The CIA was trying to get him. The dinner that I had prepared was poison. Right away, Dan and I knew there was something wrong with John. Uh, From there, uh, we proceeded to call a doctor friend. He said, get him to the hospital right away. Uh, We got him to the hospital. He was in our local hospital three months. And at that point, they told us to take him elsewhere. And take him elsewhere happened to be the state uh, institution. Well, there was no way that John and I were going to do that. So Dan was at that time working part in New York and part time in uh, Detroit. When he was in New York, he asked his partners and clients if they knew of any place that John could go, because at this point he wasn't even diagnosed. So we took him out to the Institute of Living in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and he was there for three years, or two years, I'm sorry. And at that point, they did diagnose him as paranoid schizophrenia, but they wanted to keep him there. And after two years, Dan kept saying to me, you know, there's more to give to John out of life than to be here. So we asked the doctors if there was a place for rehabilitation. Well, none of them knew. And finally, one said, well, he had heard of place in in the Berkshires. So we took John there, and John was there for two years. In the meantime, a new medicine came out, and it was called Clozaril. And Clozaril is used for schizophrenia, and it helps take the voices away and so on and so forth. John was put on that, and he was doing better. Well, one day on the airplane coming back after visiting John, Dan said to me, you know, we should start a group home and bring John back home. Well, I burst out crying. My goodness, we didn't even know anybody with mental illness, let alone a group home. But my husband, Dan, had a vision, and we not only started a group home, but we started Rose Hill. Uh, We went out into the community, and we started asking people uh, their opinions, uh, what they thought about developing something like this. Some were encouraging the truth, though some weren't. But we went ahead anyway. And um, that's really how Rose Hill started. And the rest, so to speak, is history. That's right. Now, 
and a fabulous history. Dan, I want to ask you this. Um, Rosemary's talked about the challenges John experienced as a young adult. What do you hear from other families about the challenges they experience with their young adults with schizophrenia and maybe some of these other conditions you, you, you were mentioning? Uh, well, I'll go back to uh, the time right after John got sick and he was diagnosed out in Connecticut. Uh, as Rosemary mentioned earlier, she went out and she uh, picked up a lot of books on the subject of mental illness and schizophrenia in particular. Uh, and she identified a program that was put on by one of the social services agencies here in the Detroit area, uh, which uh, was geared to uh, informing parents like us as to the nature of mental illness and schizophrenia in particular. And uh, we... Uh, Brown bagged it to uh, a session one Saturday. Uh, I was a little skeptical about, you know, the value of this thing, but I uh, was willing to take the time to go and see what it was like. Well, it was terrific. Uh, there were other families there, and it was amazing how similar their story was uh, to ours. Uh, you know, the, the, the people said that their uh, son or daughter or other otherwise loved one was uh, paranoid that uh, <laughs> without exception they said that they were worried about the CIA and the FBI bugging their homes and so forth. Uh, they were hearing voices, uh, voices usually which were negative, uh, had delusions, and were, you know, just generally afraid of everybody, including other members of their family. And, of course, uh, with that condition, uh, these individuals uh, were not able to keep jobs and so forth. So the, the stories we heard were, uh, you know, the same story we had. It was amazing. Uh, well, that's, that's about it. I mean, okay. you know... That's very powerful. What you've just reminded us of is that this, these conditions, these mental health conditions, have symptoms and signs, as doctors say, that are characteristic of them. And that's what you learned when you went to that brown, you brown bagged it. And that's, that's true. Profound, yep. Profoundly yep. important. Now, Rosemary, of those, of the challenges, associated with a young adult family member with schizophrenia. What are the things that, in your mind, are the most challenging? Well, for, uh, for instance, one of the biggest challenges was for me, and I know this is with other families, was balancing my life. Because all of a sudden, John was totally consuming. Everything was John, John, John. And yet, we had three other daughters, one still in high school, that really needed me. And also the stigma that was associated around it. Not even our families understood. I remember um, when we first started Rose Hill, one of our local papers did a story on John, a full-page uh well, actually, two full pages, and his picture was on the front of this picture magazine. 
And I remember so well uh, this reporter following us around for a week, and she did a wonderful job. But the night before it was going to hit the stands on a Sunday, I called our three daughters and said, girls, this is it. The whole world is going to know about us. They're going to know about John. They're going to know about the schizophrenia. Um, just, just let's all just band together, which, you know, we had already. But again, there was that stigma. And so I think that's the one thing that I try to tell people is that um, to fight the stigma, and that is one of their biggest challenges because this illness, not only schizophrenia, schizoaffective, uh, depression, personality disorders, they're awful illnesses. Yeah. Rosemary, they're awful and they're serious, but you bring your work brings hope to the families. Now, I want to talk about another difficult situation with Dan. Um, those challenges that Rosemary's been talking about are severe enough, but what about cir circumstances where families find they're struggling not only with the mental health care system, but also with the justice system because the young people have got into trouble with the law? What do you hear? What, have you any views on that situation? Well, it's true that uh, uh, many of the people in prison, it's estimated that maybe as, as much as 40% of the people in prison are mentally ill. And a lot of those people have not uh, committed really serious crimes. Uh, some of them have, you know, been uh, petty crimes like uh, uh, stealing uh, uh goods from a drugstore or something like that. Uh, so it's all over the lot. And by the way, when I, when I mention this, uh, let me just insert here that the, it's been proven that the incidence of violence among the mentally ill is less than it is in the general population. So mentally ill people in general are not violent. It's just that, uh, uh, there's an image that they are because when something really bad happens, it, it hits all the newspapers and so forth and creates a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, but we have had uh, people referred to us by the courts, uh, people who have not committed serious crimes but, you know, need treatment, and that's all, that's worked out very well. Uh the, the biggest problem here in the states is that the uh, community mental health systems uh, do not have the money, and in some cases not even the inclination, to invest in uh, effective treatment for the mentally ill. Uh, and uh, so as a result, you know, the, the people who are in that public system are uh, what I call, you know, warehoused, uh, uh, put in group homes where they can get the minimum treatment at the lowest possible cost. And, of course, they don't recover. They don't uh, uh, receive any real rehabilitation treatment. Uh, usually their medications are not right. 
And if they are, uh, lots of times they'll stop taking their medications and they'll be in and out of the hospital many times. We've had uh, several people like that referred to us, uh, people who uh, in some cases have been in and out of hospitals 30 or 40 times before they uh, they reach us. So it's a, a very serious problem. Uh, also, in the U.S., there's a lack of regular type insurance for people who aren't pub- part of the public system. Uh, it's rare that anybody would have uh, coverage uh, to cover their stay at Rose Hill. And so uh, cost of care is a big problem. Uh, private payment care is, is very costly. Uh, we do have some uh, capacity to give financial assistance. Right now we have 10, 10, 10 people at Rose Hill who are getting financial assistance. Dan, but, uh, I'm just going to be limited. Okay, I'm just going to stop you because we've got the break again, and I want to ask you in greater detail about just exactly what you're starting to talk about. But again, a very quick comment to you that a court refers people to you is another indication of the power and benefit of what you both are doing. Now, let's take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Rosemary and Dan Kelly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CDMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc. G at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Rosemary and Dan Kelly. Our topic is creating a therapeutic community for mental health care. 
So now let's talk more about the specialised work of the of Rose Hill Centre and the ways in which it provides the support that's needed by persons with the schizophrenia and the other illnesses and their families. So Rosemary, again, over to you, please. Please tell us more about the work um, of the centre and what you see as one of the most important elements of the work for the people the centre serves. Well, I think one of the most important elements is giving the residents and their family hope, uh, giving them the knowledge and the message that we know that we can help them and that we can get them better. You know, when a resident comes in, they're scared, they're leery, they have absolutely no self-confidence, and their family is scared of the unknown, and they're struggling with the stigma, and besides that, they're grieving. They're grieving the loss of the son or daughter uh, or wife or mother or whoever it is that they're bringing in uh, to Rose Hill. I'd like to quote one of our former patients that said, I never thought I'd be able to get my life back together. Now I'm working and going back to school. Thank you, Rose Hill, for that gift. And I think that's the, one of the things that uh, I really work at telling parents that with this program that we have, and we feel it's the best program in the states, along with um, all the treatment that we have, each resident has their own treatment plan, that we will get their loved one better. Uh, we've had 1,200 people graduated from, graduate from Rose Hill, and we have had very little come back. I call it they come back for a tune-up if they stop taking <laughs> yes. their medicine or whatever. But that is very, very, uh, there are very, very few people for that. So, again, I think that hope and that we can take care of their loved one is one of the greatest things that we offer at Rose Hill. Thank you. Dan, please tell us um, how the Rose Hill Center works with family caregivers. Okay, well, this is very important. Uh, family support of these folks who are seriously mentally ill and going through a program like Rose Hills uh, is really essential to success. Unfortunately, not every patient has that kind of support, which makes it more difficult for them to uh, re recover. But uh, in general, they do have good support. Uh, the way we operate is that, first of all, after a, a certain period of time, we encourage visits by the family to our our residents. Uh, each resident uh, has its uh, treatment plan, just uh, as Rosemary mentioned, and there's a case manager who uh, manages that plan and the implementation of it. And the case manager is in... Uh, touch with the family quite frequently, uh, uh, and the case manager will arrange for the family to come and consult with the psychiatrist uh, periodically and so forth, so that uh, there's a lot of, of very good communications. And then uh, in, in certain cases, uh, we provide, at the request of parents, additional services from outside uh, professionals that we contract with. Uh, so I'd say basically the, uh, 
the way we do it is through excellent communications and keeping everybody informed on what's going on and what the progress is. Rosemary, my next question is something that you've partly answered, and it's this. I was, I'm going to ask you for a Rose Hill Center story of recovery and inspiration, which has really touched you. And you just discussed with us, explained the way in which you got, let's call it a thank you note, a note of appreciation from somebody who'd recovered, got back to work. So I'm asking you for a second story of recovery and inspiration, which really touched you. Oh, doctor, I could tell you 1,200 stories. But let me tell you about uh, one in particular. This is a feel-good story. Um, Many of our people are so talented in many ways, but this disease takes away their talent and their ability and their desire. I'm going to tell you a story about Jim, who came to Rose Hill at the age of 24. When he came, he was scared. I'll never forget that first day, tall, good-looking young man, and his parents were just as scared as they were. In fact, um, as they left uh, Jim and were going to the parking lot into their car, I followed them, and they were crying. And I said, you know, I know you never say this, but I am. I know how you feel. My husband, Dan, and I cried when we had to leave our John also. But I guarantee you, in six to nine months, you will have your son back. Well, Jim was was there about a month, and our musical director learned that Jim enjoyed playing the piano. One day, he encouraged Jim to sit down and play, and oh, my gosh, this young man began playing Mozart, Chopin, His fingers just flew across the the keyboard and without any music in front of him. Little did we know that he had been a prodigy um, since the age of four of playing the piano. And not only that, but he was a, or is, I should say, a master guitar player. Well, the rest of it is just history. Um, He went on to get better, and he left, and they got their son back again. But I have many, many stories to tell. You know, I always tell my people that they may have a disability, but does not mean that they have no ability. And that's what something you mentioned before, the hope. Yes, oh, the hope. That's the whole thing, the hope. Right. We all need it. We all need it in life. Not only are my beloved mentally ill, but everyone needs it in life. Yeah. We have, uh, Doctor, we have a, a lake uh, on our campus, uh, and it's, it's called, um, uh, if you look at a map, it would be called Mud Lake. But uh, to all of our residents and staff, uh, we've convinced them that it's called Lake Hope. <laughs> so that's how important we think it is. I love that. Now, I want to ask you, Dan, to explain to us how Rose Hill established its collaborative relationships with the community generally and with professionals in healthcare and social services? Well, uh, just by getting out and, and uh, meeting people in the community and uh, uh, meeting people in the psychiatric community and so forth, 
We've developed a really good relationship with the University of Michigan and their medical school and their nursing school, and they actually send uh, residents of their uh, who are in the psychiatric uh, uh, residency program at the University of Michigan Hospital and uh, nurses uh, who are planning to be uh, psych nurses uh, to Rose Hill for observation and training. So we, we have that going. Uh, we've had, we have a facility on campus, which is a, a general purpose facility with uh, gym and which uh, is also a, a conference center, uh, a physical fitness center, a computer lab and other facilities, including a music uh, a center and so forth. And uh, we've had conferences for the Michigan psychiatric community there. Uh, and uh, also the uh, the local fire department has its uh, annual dinner dance there. Uh, in addition to all that, uh, we've got relationships with medical centers and foundations uh, to uh, conduct research uh, on various aspects of mental illness and, and uh, various types of programs for treatment. So we're pretty well connected, and uh, uh, as a result, uh, we have a lot of support from the professionals in our community. Dan, would you say that they see you as really part of the healthcare system, if I can call it that? You, you are one of the places to go. Your service is one of the places that they are not only happy to refer people to, but also to work with in the various ways, like training students sure, and yes, so on. Uh, yeah, so the, that's, that's, evidence, that's evidenced by the fact that uh, the University of Michigan Medical School uses it uses us for that purpose. I, the reason I ask that is that, and this is a, just a quick comment by me, um, you'd mentioned in the past that when you first began to um, really recognize what uh, had become part of your lives, that is schizophrenia, um, the doctors weren't very helpful. They weren't very clear in the diagnoses. They weren't very helpful in the advice they gave you. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you both say is that's turned around now because not only are you have you given significantly to the community caring for, worrying about, concerned about schiz schizophrenia, but also you're a respected member of the healthcare community particularly the medical community, and I'm an ex-physician, um, mm -hmm. who weren't that helpful to you in the past. So would you just very quickly say, Dan, that's a turnaround? Uh, yes, definitely. I think uh, 20 years ago, we had the feeling that uh, there were, were not very many really good psychiatrists in the uh, Michigan area. Uh, especially those psychiatrists who are really up on their uh, psychopharmacology, you know, medication treatment. Uh, but nowadays, uh, that's completely changed, and uh, 
medical schools are producing, uh, you know, uh, graduates who are really up on that, and, and not only on that, but on other types of uh, treatment programs. In fact, both of our psychiatrists uh, that we have at Rose Hill are graduates of the uh, University of Michigan uh, Medical School. So, uh, yes, I think so. Uh, I'd say the younger psychiatrists these days are are probably, and I'm making a very general statement, but I think the younger ones are more qualified than the older ones. Right. And you've been part of that revolution which has taken yes. place. Yes. Now, talking of revolutions, we have to pause for a moment to take the inevitable break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Rosemary and Dan Kelly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Rosemary and Dan Kelly. Our topic is creating a therapeutic community for mental health care. Um, Here's my preamble. Given the value of therapeutic communities, such as the 30 facilities which comprise the American Residential Treatment Association, of which the Rose Hill Center is a member, let's discuss what more you intend to do and would like to see done by others to expand the support needed by those with mental health challenges and their families. And I'm going to add the support, the kind of support that you provide at the Rose Hill Center. So, Rosemary, for you, what more would you like to do and see done at Rose Hill? Well, I think two things. Uh, number one, I, like, I would like to help uh, eliminate the stigma of mental illness. 
that is a big thing in my life. And number two, as far as Rose Hill goes, we are in the midst of a capital campaign right now, and our vision for the rehabilitation process would be uh, providing uh, leading-edge treatment and therapy. Um, That is one of the programs, and also improving our housing and environmental care. Even though our housing is beautiful, we uh, are growing and our numbers are growing, and we need to build a new building. Uh, And then also things like uh, we have, it's so important in life is to have physical health uh, is very important in all of our lives. So we're developing a groomed fitness trail with a distance signs and exercise state, uh, stations and uh, a new greenhouse as part of our, our horticulture program. And so I see these things as just adding, if I may say so, the frosting on the cake for Rose Hill. But the main thing is that our staff is so good at doing what they do, and we just want to improve the program to make it the finest and best uh, that we can because these people deserve, and their families, the very best in life. And that's the best way of counteracting the stigma that you've talked about and that is very real, Rosemary. That's, That's your way, and that's a beautiful way. Now, Dan... What advice do you have to inspire others to come together to develop therapeutic community settings and support such as Rose Hill offers? What advice do you have for others? Well, uh, first of all, uh, you know, understand that uh, the best way to treat somebody who's really seriously mentally ill, people like we've been talking about, is through a comprehensive residential treatment program like uh, we have at Rose Hill and and like uh, maybe three or four others in the country. Uh, there are other programs in the United States that uh, have the same goals that we do, but they don't have the comprehensive programs, including the therapeutic work programs and so forth that we have. They're not really uh, working on the whole being uh, like we do to uh, bring people uh, who are mentally ill back to life. Uh, So once once that's understood, uh, there should be, I believe, at least one residential treatment center like ours in each province of Canada and each state of the U.S. And, of course, in some provinces and states, there probably should be more than that, but uh, uh, that's that's the way to treat the mentally ill. That's the way to, to reduce costs of hospital care, uh, and of course, mainly, it's, it's the best way to improve people's lives and their families' lives. So I would uh, offer one of the things that we've always said since the very beginning is that we wanted to serve as a model for others to develop similar programs, and uh, uh, we still uh, like to do that. We've we've helped uh, in some cases uh, already, uh, 
and uh, we would encourage others to come and visit us and see what we're doing and see if they can replicate it in some way. And of course, a quick comment from me from Canada is I'd like to see, and I wonder if you agree with this, um, the two countries working together on precisely what you've been talking about, and that is the sense of sharing experiences, um, building on models like yours that have achieved things, um, learning from each other, and generally inspiring each other to do what you said, have at least one therapeutic community in the provinces of Canada and at least one in the US or maybe more for each, mm-hmm. each state. Right. And uh, it seems to me that that's a powerful way to go. So I may want to lobby you later on on bringing the two countries together. So, so okay. beware. <laughs> beware. Now, Rosemary, what's your message? Your message as a mother, as a pioneer, as somebody who's worked very hard to achieve something that's gracious and that's successful and that brings hope. What's your message for family caregivers? Well, I think that mental illness, like cancer or heart disease, is a fact of life for millions. And as Dan had said, uh, there are so many that are struck down with this awful illness, I'd like to, and I always say this, is to give them hope. Hope that we we can help and that they can help. And I ask them uh, not to forget that hope and to reach out to others. Uh, take time to educate themselves about the illness and feel strong enough to uh, ignore the stigma, which is very, very hard. And often caregivers stay to themselves and they don't reach out for help. I also tell them to take care of themselves. Uh, this illness is for long term and it's very draining on the individual. And, you know, um, If we hadn't reached out to others, we could have never done this alone. We had to accept uh, help, ask for help and accept it, which is hard to do in life, Um, but we've had to do it. And I think that's all, Doctor, that I can really say, that love your loved one, support them. They will make it in this world no matter what road they take so often you know our people come to us and they're so highly educated and they be chemical engineers or teachers or computer experts well they may not have that job again because the stress is so bad but they may work at the local hardware store uh, and do just beautifully or they may work in a food bank or they could go back to school and get their degrees depending on their illness but they are they have the ability to do what they want right and that's what that's what i can say to them that's great dan just quickly your message for family caregivers well uh first of all uh, should understand that mental illness is treatable uh that their loved one can recover uh as long as they stay on their medication, they can live a, a relatively normal life. Uh, I would advise them to uh, 
be careful to find the best professionals in the, their community to uh, treat their loved one. Uh, like Rosemary just said, don't be reluctant to get some help and uh, ignore any concerns about stigma because in the final analysis it's not uh, very important compared to uh, what you need to do to, to get better. Right. And I'd say be patient. Uh, understand uh, the loved one's condition and let time be part of the healing process. I'm going so. to have to stop you there because uh, the timing is against us. Um, the clock's running against us. So I want to say to both of you, um, first of all, thank you. Secondly, for your message of hope and sharing it, your inspiration. And I, you mentioned that you've got a capital campaign coming. I wish you, for everyone's sake, every possible success with that. Well, thank you. Be beyond your wildest expectations. And I hope that this episode that you've done with this show will help you with that. Well, now, I want thank to you say, very much. Thank you. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be continuous contact for intercontinental family caregiving. Please join us. Same spot, same time on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.